Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer, soda, water in the fridge. Cheers to all of you out there, people of the internet. I'm going to take a sip real quick, and I recommend you all do the same because we are going to be probably sitting here for a little bit long today. I have a feeling that this is going to be a long one just because, you know, we're friends, you're returning to the show, and I normally don't have people back on that I don't get along with. But this is our first time actually meeting face to face. So without holding up the internet any longer, Everybody, please make some noise for my friend, Labyrinthine. 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 Yes, that is correct. I always fuck it up. Yeah, everybody fucks it up. (laughs) (laughs) Probably, actually, probably like 90% of the people fuck it up. But it's cool because then the 10% of the people who do know it, now they kind of like to turn. It's like, no, it's Labyrinthine. Okay, Labyrinthine. I apologize, my (laughs) friend. For those of you out there that aren't familiar with Labyrinthine, you are a hip-hop artist uh, i like to think I, I, of myself as a horrorcore artist but i like to pull from all different styles you know everything okay. resonates with me so there's you know an interesting discussion right off the bat to get into in the realm of horrorcore because i feel like there are some people that are a part of the horrorcore scene but it seems like they try to not associate with that title for whatever reason, then there are people that are a part of the scene that embrace it. And you're somebody that embraces yeah. the horror core. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's something where a lot of people try not to associate with it as much because they feel like it's very two dimensional. You know, it's, it's like the redheaded stepchild of hip hop in terms of subgenres. And, you know, they think like that's why a lot of people will come into that genre. And then leave or feel like they've outgrown it or they feel like they can only go so high with it and they kind of feel like maybe they're not taken seriously. But I also look at it the same way, like, you know, it's like, you know, a horror film can be considered art, but you never see a horror film get, you know, really nominated like the Academy Awards or anything like that. You know, it's it's kind of looked off like, no, no, we give awards to like serious dramas and maybe comedies and all that, but we don't take horror as art you know so you know whenever you're introducing yourself to like new listeners or maybe people that aren't familiar with that genre because as big as it is it's still a pretty underground thing it may be one of the last bastions of true underground music it's definitely a niche market uh you know what like how do you go about like introducing this music to new people in a way that's like inviting um I think I try to like, I think I try to go wider with the sound. And that's what I've, I've been trying to tell a lot of people is that, you know, it's not as limited as you think it is. I mean, we can experiment more and bring in more, uh, elements of other genres of music and kind of like create new things, much like you do on your stuff. You know, you kind of seem like you pull from a lot of different influences and styles and make something unique. Yeah. So I try to go wider with my sound and also. I guess even though I consider myself horrorcore, I try to. I also try to be a little more gothic mm-hmm. because I definitely draw a lot of influence from that. So I think a lot more people couldn't be a little more uh, 
welcoming of that in terms of the horror core that's kind of more straight down the line in your face that's more like maybe like blood and guts kind of like similar to metal like thrash you know like there's certain thrash that people like will be more open to and give a chance but then there's also that kind of thrash that's just straight down the line like kill 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 bleed 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 that kind of thing you know yeah totally i feel like you know it's interesting bringing up my band normal creatures because i feel like all of our inspiration and everything that i like tend to theme around is like in somewhat of a horror realm i try to be more spooky and dark and you like to bring in elements yeah, of horror i like to bring in elements of horror but i would never consider what i do 100 percent horror core but yeah. i also don't know like what the fuck it is because it's also not 100 percent hip-hop or 100 percent rock or 100 percent anything yeah but that was never really the goal and i could totally see you know the issues with getting like roped into that horror core sound yeah. Whereas I think that like what makes horrorcore horrorcore is a lot more than just like everybody sounding like the same artist. It's about like the theming and where you're pulling inspiration from and why not do things that sound a little bit different. Yeah. And it's definitely like the the darker elements that resonate with me the most. I mean, you're going to pull from anything that you feel speaks to you the most. You know, like I looked at I, I was really influenced by what, you know, Jim Jarmus said the director when he went out and I'm kind of paraphrasing right now, but he was like, you know, he said like originality is non-existent, but authenticity is invaluable mm. and that you should draw from whatever inspires you, whether it's other films, music, movies, if it's signs on the street, if it's beautiful scenery, whatever resonates with you, pull from it and bring it into your own world and kind of embrace it and don't even try to like conceal the fact that maybe you stole it or took it from something, you know, be proud of it. So that's what I try to do with my music, but that's definitely the vibe I've gotten from your stuff too. It seems like you pull from everything that resonates with you and like throw it all together. And yeah, that collage kind of approach, you know? Yeah. You know, when you were starting to get music together, you know, did you have the mindset of like, Oh, I know what horror core is and this is kind of what I want to go for. Or did you just start making something and then realize that like there's this whole subgenre that exists that's kind of adjacent to what you were doing? No, no, I've been uh I've been listening to this genre since I was about 10, 11 years old. You know, and that's the thing about Pittsburgh, you know, we're so close to like, you know, cities like Cleveland and Detroit, you know, and during that time period, like mid nineties, you had like bone coming out of uh Cleveland and they were doing you know, it wasn't horrorcore, but they were definitely like you. They were bringing in elements of horror. Sure. Into it was their stuff. For sure. And then you had Detroit, which was bringing people out like, you know, Esham, Nottis, and St. Clown Posse, Twisted, those kind of people that were really drawing from that dark kind of genre that yeah. really spoke to them the most. And of course, that made its way down to Pittsburgh. And then you take the hardcore hip hop of like New York and Philly. But then you take stuff like, you know, Gravediggers and Flatliners back in, you know, mid 90s. They were crazy and they made their way down here too. So I was definitely influenced by all of that growing up. But it wasn't until I just knew though when I finally did get the opportunity to make music, it's like that's the stuff that spoke to me the most growing up. And that's the most stuff I identify with. So it just doesn't make sense to like go swim against the current, you know. I'm figure I'm just going to do this because I, it resonates with me the most and i feel like i've done pretty well since doing that yeah you know it seems like 
since you were last on my podcast, you were the first guest that I had on post pandemic. You were my first uh, remote call. And yes. that, we all know how that turned out. It wasn't as bad as I think that you think well, it was. Well, the signal was so like, you know, <laughs> jerky because I had an iPhone 6. You it's know, okay. I was a Neanderthal, so. It's all good. You know, but since then, over this past, I mean, that was maybe March or April of 2020. March 2020, yeah. Okay, so it's been 15 months. Yeah. And you've been up to quite a lot since then. So why don't you... Not not as too much as I wanted to be. I mean, that's what that was the main instance behind my recent releases. The fact that, you know, I was working on my official release, the Pennsylvania Gothic, which came out in March 2020. But of course, because of COVID, it set everybody back, you know, and I don't own any home studio equipment. I, you know, usually go to the studio and do everything, you know, outsourcing. So I wasn't really making as much or getting as much accomplished as I wanted to. And I was still needing more time to finish that official follow-up. And I was just like, you know what? I can't keep going this long without having it here. It's been like a year. I put out one EP a year ago and maybe like one single since then. And I've got people online uh, that are hitting me up. And then even people close to me or people hit me up on text messages like, hey, when are you going to put out some new stuff? And I'm like, man, this is taking too long. And that's just how my new release came to be. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make this and I'm going to have fun doing it. And hopefully this will hold people over until mm-hmm. I can get the official release out. And I was shocked at the response so far. Well, I mean, one, I think it's awesome that you have people that would bother going out of their way to pester you about new material. <laughs> yeah. But two, how many of those people are also musicians? Uh, not not as many as you'd think. So, well, <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the point. I mean, I, I did have people who well, you know I do music with or have worked with in the past or just gotten along with who also do music who were asking me about it too. But no, I'm that was like probably maybe 25 percent of the people well i mean the reason why i'm bringing that up is because i think that other musicians understand and empathize with how long it actually takes to get something out like even an ep if you know you don't have your own studio if you have a job or a family or a home or all of the above even just getting six songs recorded is a fucking nightmare (laughs) no god you know so it's interesting because you know, a lot of times people that aren't in the industry, people that don't do this, don't understand. And sometimes they could take for granted how much work actually goes into doing that stuff. Yeah. And like, that- I get kind of bent out of shape when somebody is like, like, doesn't seem like you've been doing much lately. I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> if you only knew, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the other side, the other end of the spectrum. That's really what it is. I mean, when I got into it, I didn't really know how much time and effort it really requires. I mean, yeah, you could do something on the fly, but it's not going to sound as good as something that you really put your time and effort in. It's like, you know, you could take a, you could get some paint and a canvas and yeah, I'll do a picture in like an hour. But if you want to really make a picture that you're proud of or something that you think other people will like, you're going to put more than an hour into it. You're going to put maybe yeah. like 10, 20, 30 hours you know, of your life into yeah. it. There's always anomalies. Like there's always, you know, sometimes there's those tracks that come together real quick, you know, like, yeah, you don't spend a lot of time writing it. You record it really quickly and it's done. But I find like with me and maybe, 
you can relate to this too. Like if you're trying to do something that's like actually like telling a story or you're trying to have some continuous narrative that's going throughout a bunch of different tracks, like you got to like put a lot of work into making that the way that you want it before you actually share it with the world. Absolutely. You know, um, not to say that like stuff that comes together quickly doesn't have substance. Exactly. It's That's always, the word it's I would always, use substance. It's always different depending on like the, what exactly the art is that you're making. Like, you know, if you're just trying to make some club song with a dumb hook and a simple beat, like sure. You and some homies can do that on a Friday night and, maybe it will resonate with a lot of people. And I've like, been in that environment. Yeah. I've been in that environment where we're just like in a studio and we're just making some fun and I'll be the one who's like, why don't we spend like a little more time on this? Sure. I do. And that was like years before I started really doing this like professionally and people would just be like, nah, it sounds good the way it is. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little different in that way. I like to put a little more time. And uh, I mean, I do get accused of being over analytical a lot, but you know, I don't know. There's a lot of times where I think that works in my favor. So, yeah, no, I think I don't think that there's honestly such a thing as being over analytical in regards to your art. I think you could be over analytical of other people's art. Like you can dissect a movie too much and ruin a movie or like a cartoon or something like that. Something mm. that somebody else made. You could dig into that way too much and you're missing the point. Yeah, like read into it too yeah, much. It, but yeah, but if you're, I think that all, one of the main things that we really have in terms of our art is our right to be as selfish with it as we want because it's yeah. like, it's our fucking thing. So if you want to take this time and really pick things apart and get it in a way where it's like, you know, you're maybe as happy with it as you could possibly be, take that time. It's, yeah. it's your fucking right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot of people who still will be like, dude, you got to get out and do more shows or, you know, get out there. Like what you're spending so much time in the studio. And I'm like, well, you don't understand. I didn't walk into a studio until I was 32. And then I was overwhelmed by like the amount of freedom that you have there and mm -hmm. just the everything at your disposal to create this like, you know, sonic artwork Yeah, that you can, you walk in and you're like, Oh my God, I can create anything I want. So you're like, I've just been in love with the studio environment more than anything ever since. then. it's just kind of really hard to pull me away from it. Cause I just love being there so much. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I really enjoy performing shows, but I love doing studio stuff as well. I love just like being lost in the sauce of like putting together a beat or mixing a track or trying different vocal effects and, all that's I, I love that stuff so, so much. And um, I think that while I would agree with whoever is telling you to play more shows, I think it is important. I think it's also important to like not do it until you feel like you're 100 percent ready to be putting yourself out there mm. like all the time, because yeah. a lot of if you're not ready for it, you're going to get overwhelmed or burned out or it's just not going to be a positive experience. I think a lot of times artists kind of rush or force themselves to perform shows when they're not like, I mean, they might be ready in terms of like talent and skill, yeah. but there's a whole nother like mental component to performing live that I don't think a lot of people tend to talk about or even think about where it's like, it's really stressful and kind of exhausting 
putting yourself out there on a consistent basis and playing shows and booking shows and trying to do all that stuff. It's a lot of work. It's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. And I'm, I'm anticipating it's going to be that way for me, but I mean, it's, I kind of take it similar to like when you first go into the studio, that's one of the things you really don't think about when you start making music. Yeah. You take into consideration that you want to have good beats and get, you know, a place to record your vocals good, but you actually don't realize how much time and effort you should also really put into the mixing and mastering. Oh yeah. You really do discover like once you really get into music, how much just as equally important that is because it's like, okay, I could have the greatest song in the world. I could have a kick-ass hook, great punchlines and everything like that. But if, if it's not mixed and mastered, right, it almost doesn't matter. It takes away from it so much. Totally. So I kind of relate to that. And I understand that that's going to be something that, you know, as you said, a lot of people don't take that in consideration and mm-hmm. that that's a whole nother thing you have to absorb. But, you know, yeah. and just performing live, it's a whole nother animal. You know, if you're not going to be um, a rapper that just raps on top of their backtracks, like if you yeah, actually exactly. want to fucking perform, you know, I don't know very many rappers that practice live sets. Mm-hmm. You know, bands practice and then yeah. they get on a stage and they're ready to go. I've played with countless rappers that do not practice. And whenever they perform, it is blunt. It's fucking blatantly obvious <laughs> that they have never tried to practice. And I get it's like their little, vo- or their voice doesn't seem oh, as yeah, warmed it's up not or the anything. Same. It's like there's no, you know, working on like your stage, like having like energy. There's another thing, too, with rappers. Sometimes it will sacrifice talent for just having too much energy. And they're just like yelling the whole time they're huffing and puffing and out of breath and it's like this just looks ridiculous you got to learn how to like maintain your breath control and actually perform the things that you're writing appropriately so people can get an idea of like what your music is be audible you want people to understand what you're saying it's rap that's the whole fucking point yeah exactly Um, and yeah it's a it's an interesting thing but it's a whole nother part of your brain that you have to work and if you're in your 30s and you don't have the time <laughs> your late to be 30s like, that's what have, i'm in you don't have the time to be fucking like rehearsing all the time and it's like you know what am i gonna do am i gonna go to the studio this week or i'm gonna practice my songs if i'm playing a show like i figured out a way to this- do both okay. i actually do do both so i mean i've taken practicing and that's something i've been doing for a long time now because that was another thing i heard from other people like you gotta you should try to practice you should try to learn you know breath control and well that's great also learning how to like you know really talk to people because it's more than just a microphone you know you have to have be able to like use your hands and your body language and anything and get people to like you know really kind of lose themselves in what you're saying so they can kind of forget about their surroundings around them and really like kind of take the ride with you now i think it could be also if you are an artist in a particular genre of music like a horror core right Mm -hmm. there's somewhat of a spectacle to this and the character that is labyrinthine right yeah so you know in a state and like because like when i'm like talking with you face to face like you're a super nice guy could tell that Oh. you're you're a lot of fun to be around you're yeah, not yeah. i am not you're warm in my heart right i'm now. not intimidated by you at all no, but, i don't know how to take that one. <laughs> but if i like like you just seem like a like you're like a wholesome guy right yeah but your music paints the picture of a very intimidating person which is intentional 
Yeah. I would imagine, right? You are there's a character and you're telling stories and narratives that are not wholesome. It's a it's a dark place where you're taking people. So in a live environment, how do you balance like you as a normal human being versus like this storyteller in like communicating with the crowd as a storyteller? Because you can't be all like dark, scary, stellar storytelling and in between songs like Hey, how's everybody doing? I hope you're having a good time. You know who I've seen do that is this Slayer. When I've seen Slayer, after they'll they'll do like Dead Skin Mask or something like that. And then he'd walk up to the microphone, put his hands behind his back. Hey, kid, thanks for coming out tonight. We're really enjoying you being here. And I'm like, that's fucking Slayer. They could get away with that shit. You're (laughs) Slayer. So like, what is your approach to that in terms of like, you know, uh, maintaining like the character in public i don't even know if you consider it a character or a storyteller or a, like a like I, you ever think about that you yeah, have to have thought about this i definitely do and i think i think it's also kind of an element of why a lot of people don't take horror core seriously as art like other forms of hip-hop it's I think out of all the subgenres of hip-hop it's probably the closest one that you would compare to like pro wrestling Sure. You know, pro wrestling, people don't look at as a sport or you need any athleticism. They look at it like, oh, it's all acting. It's all predetermined. It's, you know, choreographed. But a lot of uh, you don't really take into account like the physicality and the toll it can take on your body, but also that it's about being a performer and it's about touching your audience and also telling telling your story because you a lot of wrestlers will say that that the they are just their character that they play is always them times like 10. It is really who they are. Yeah. But they kind of like turn it up like a thousand percent. And so I, I think that's why a lot of people don't really look at horrorcore seriously. I think they look at it like it's pro wrestling. And yeah, when you're on stage or when you're behind the microphone, you're portraying a character. And of course, like most people, like comparable to wrestling, there's kayfabe, you know, if you're not familiar with that, you know, that's the idea of like, you know, you don't really let people know that this is a, this is a show, you know, or that this is all predetermined, or this is not really who I am. And that's not saying you're being fake. You're just, like I said, you're just turning up the you meter about a thousand percent because you're trying to get that crowd's attention or your audience's attention. You're trying to bring them in. Yeah. You know, so that's how I really look at it. So I definitely uh, find a lot of similarities between that there. Yeah. So whenever you're uh, like, you know, playing a set in between songs, you just kind of like turn your like like you're about to like cut a sick wrestling promo. Well, like, well, well, that's the thing. You know, I ha- <laughs> I have yet to perform live. Oh, so okay, I look cool. at it. I look at it like I want to be prepared for it. But at the same time, you know, yeah, I'm trying to draw you in. But I'm also not trying to say that, you know, this isn't really part of who I am. Got it. You know, got it. Totally. People yeah. don't think horrorcore you can have any poetic value in. So I, I actually I want to get into this with you because, you know, the last time that we talked, we talked a bit about um, horrorcore and how it's not really taken seriously. And we brought up some of these similar points before. Um, something that I don't think we brought up um, is kind of like, what I consider the elephant in the room of horrorcore, which we brought up them a little bit before, but ICP. Yeah. Right? They're kind of like, they were always considered the top of the food. They're like thing. the Coca-Cola 
of horrorcore, right? They're like, the WWE, sure, you know, like sure. you know, because they were the ones that, out of all the genres, really went off and ma- sold millions. You know, they always were the ones yeah. that were like the head of the pack. So that's why a lot of people, when they think horrorcore, they think insane clown posse. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely you know my introduction to the genre, but that would have been when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, and like Riddlebox came out, right? Yeah, like you know, but like. It, they were still pretty big at that point, but there's no way that, you know, a 10 year old or 11 year old kid's going to find out about that stuff unless there's a, a band. That, that sort yeah, of big, that's right? how I was. I mean, but, I was 11. I discovered Bone Thugs and they were doing East 99 Eternal. And that was like, that's how I heard about them. And then people were telling me, oh, if you like that, you know, you ever heard Grave Diggers? I'm like, no. And then I heard Grave Diggers and Flatliners. Then it wasn't until I really listened to Detroit that I heard about Insane Clown Posse sure. and stuff. So, But for a lot of people, they were the gateway. Into the, yeah. You know. And, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, undeniably throw a ton of shade at ICP for whatever reason they have, whatever prejudice they have against like, you know, it usually tends to be like people that are like, oh, like juggalos are corny or they're this or that. Like I've known plenty of juggalos throughout my life. They've never been anything but some of the best people I've ever met. Yeah. I wouldn't consider myself a juggalo. I don't really listen to ICP anymore, but I grew up with it and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I have a lot of respect for them as a entrepreneurs, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, you know, they definitely found a way to fuck up the system and do things their own way which is really cool yeah but i think that their association with the genre is probably the biggest issue because you know most of the time anybody that is familiar with horrorcore from like the outside perspective like oh yeah like icp and shit and it's like that's not really quite i don't know if like icp should still be like looked at as like oh they're the that is what horrorcore is because I don't even think like yeah. ICP has really put out horrorcore esque music in the past decade or two, have they? No, they have. Do I they, mean, I don't follow what they're they, doing. They still do. Yeah. yeah, they still do. But I mean, I think, I think the last couple of years they've actually been getting appreciation from like people like Hot ninety seven and other sure. respected people where yeah. they looked at them like for a long time. I guess they didn't get a lot of. Uh, credibility for what they were doing because they were always viewed as a novelty act yeah and I don't like they were always seen like you're too rap to be rock and you're too rock to be rap yeah you know it's like it's an interesting thing because like if you i've listened to interviews with them and it's like they're great storytellers they have an amazing history and like i said before i have nothing but respect for them yeah but it's so interesting that like people won't go out of their way to scratch below the surface of their like prejudices and like accept icp or accept horrorcore as a genre in this time frame when we're supposed to be accepting of other people and other lifestyles and all of these things it's like we could still like consider juggalos is like nothing but like a bunch of white trash which is like what i always hear people say and it's like it's so fucking wrong yeah it's like how we're like one moment you're gonna be like oh like let's be accepting of all these other people and then somebody brings up juggalos and the same people are like fuck that i think that people look at it because they're people who feel like they're different or they don't really fit in with a large group of people and then when they hear this music when they hear insane clown posse's music they figure oh my god this is so different and it's so out there and it's got like this 
a fictional mythos that they created around it that everything kind of follows into. And, you yes. know, I think a lot of people really get absorbed by that and that's how they'll get so diehard about it. It you blows know? my mind. Like whenever, like I totally get how that culture blew up because I was a metalhead. I was a punk kid. I was a goth kid. I was a part of so many other subgenres of outcasts, right? Growing mm -hmm. up. Yeah. And it's like, this is just another group of outcasts. Yeah. So when like friends and like different outcast groups are like throwing shade at them, I'm like, you understand, like fundamentally, we're all the same people. We're all like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, that word just outcasts. Yeah. So it's like, why would you throw shade at somebody else that is just found something positive in the darkness that is planet earth you know yeah exactly and and i like i said i'm 37 so i grew up as a teenager during the height of you know rap and new metal you know at that time period and you remember that era i mean yeah that was like all over the place and i like to always like make this point i was like that was back when hot topic was cool sure when they were when when hot topic was scary and people were actually scared to go in that store you'd be like at a mall and you kind of think it was funny how people would kind of do the walk around oh yeah from hot topic because oh that scary store where all the weird people go in but uh that was the that was the group of people i was hanging out with and stuff and you know during that time period that's when all rap was blowing up i mean like you know not just insane clown posse but then you had you know you know Eminem and D12 and then Dre was really putting out incredible stuff and so was Snoop Dogg so I mean at the time new metal was getting huge and rap was getting probably at the biggest height it ever was but that was obviously back when people actually bought records and you know everything wasn't like oh I woke up today and that album just came out it's on my phone let's listen that was like back in the day when you had to go to the store and yeah. wait in line and you got that's the only thing I tell people about this day and age is I love technology and I love streaming and I love how everything goes forward. But I kind of miss that era of when we grew up, when an album came out and it was like an event. I yeah. just, I don't feel like that's there anymore. Yeah. I still try to maintain that magic as much as I can. Like, um, if I know their band that I like is putting out an album and if they have a release date for it, like I'll make a note in my calendar. Yeah. Um, if I can, I'll like pre-order a copy of the record mm -hmm. and then maybe it'll, it'll show up and I'll get to listen to it. I'll try my best not to listen to it before I can like listen to the record. But the fucked up thing that so many bands do now is they'll release a single then another single a couple months later, another single. They'll release like four or five singles. No album announcement. They're just releasing singles. I think they right? do that because they're waiting, hoping one of them will catch fire. And then it. when it does, then they'll run with that. Yeah. Then they'll ride that wave. And then all of a sudden you'll hear, oh, their album's coming out soon. Yeah, but then when the album's announced, all of those tracks are on the album. So it's like you've already heard half of yeah. the fucking album. Yeah. And that's kind of a bummer for me. Because it's like I like that. Like I, to your point, like back when... You might have heard like one song. There could be a video on MTV or something, right? But for back when MTV played music videos. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, you would have like maybe like, you know, 45, 50, 60 minutes of new music from an artist that you're really looking forward to. Yeah. Like you had to wait a year 
whatever for it. And not even that, it was like, you'd see like commercials on TV or you would like magazines would come out and you'd want to go get the magazine and then read the interview or mm -hmm. something come out like where they would really reveal the track list and you'd read the track list and be like, Ooh, wow, this song looks like interesting. I wonder what this one's about yeah. or what this one's going to sound like. You know, I, I love streaming and I love how it is now, but it's just, like I said, I just feel like today there's no, feeling of an album coming out being like an event and that's how it was back then and that's also i think what made uh insane clown posse probably as popular as they were is because they had this whole mythos around them that when they put in a record out it was an event sure yeah. so and there were other artists that did that but i'm saying like when it came to horrorcore horrorcore has always been viewed as like this renegade subgenre that's like it's very similar to horror movies you know it's like got the cult following and when you find out it's coming out you know it's like you want to be the first one to hear it or the first one to tell people about it or all those things like that mm -hmm. with you know releasing music as an independent artist um because i like i understand the way that i like to listen to music mm -hmm. but then i find myself being a hypocrite because it's like i would prefer the artists that i follow to put out like an album a year, maybe a single. I don't need to hear shit all the time. Yeah, I don't want yeah. to because I like way too much shit. So if <laughs> everybody that I like is always putting something out, it's impossible to keep up with. Oh, them. yeah, I agree. And also it's just too much. There's kind of this thing where like if there's an artist that I like and they maybe only put out an album once a year or once every other year, that's enough for me. Yeah, like exactly. You get to take a step away from it. And then whenever you have it, you really appreciate it. I think the issue with streaming in general is that we have access to everything all the time and somehow i listen to music less now than mm. i did when i didn't have that access yeah so it's like i always know it's there and i kind of take it for granted so like you know in terms of me like releasing music i feel like i always need to be putting stuff out right and like yeah maybe you feel that way too you know where it's like if you go a certain amount of time you already brought this up you go a certain amount of time without releasing something you feel like you're missing out or you're missing an opportunity. Yeah. But Cause for like, me, it was like a year. And for me that, yeah, maybe if I was coming out like in the late nineties, early two thousands, or even, even in the late two thousands, mm -hmm. me putting out a six track EP and then, Oh, I'm not able to put something out for like a year and a half. That's okay. But in this day and age, yeah, you're like, Oh, you only yeah, put out six songs. I feel, <laughs> like, like, I feel like you I, need I, some more material out there. Yeah. I, I feel you. I, I think that that mentality really has to change. Yeah. I think that, um, especially with like independent artists and trying to keep up with like the social media hustle of like a real professional band that has like a PR team behind them and all of this stuff like you know name like one popular artist that you really look up to and I guarantee you they're not doing everything themselves I mean, yeah. they probably have a whole fucking unit of people we don't have that but we're trying to compete with that or trying to match that output right yeah and it's literally impossible to do that and like at least me i find myself like feeling like really like inadequate because i can't keep up with the output level of like a professional artist that has a whole team and it's like of course i can't do this but i still even though i'm aware of that i still feel bad about it mm -hmm. so i need to like change the way i think how about how I go about just releasing music and sharing it with the world. So I'm like in a better mental space mm -hmm. and I can have a better relationship with my art, like yeah. putting out art whenever I feel like 
it's ready to go, taking the time that we talked about instead of constantly rushing myself to do things. Because also, it's like the people that like my stuff or people that fuck with what I'm doing, do they need to hear a song from me every month? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not Maybe saying that. I'm Maybe definitely not saying they that at all. Don't, you know, so it's like just. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling some of the shit that's been going on in my head because I just feel like I'm working too much. Like, it's like I'm almost like, like, you know, it's like, say, like, you have people over for dinner and mm. like, I just keep making food and everybody's like, I'm full. You can stop making food. Like, yeah, some time to digest this. And I'm yes. like, no, I got to keep making food. You're here. I have you here. Let me keep. And I'm like, Everybody. And it and it's funny how you put it that way too, because that's how a, a lot of people will either look at rap. They either will look at rap like it's fast food, like just throw it out there, or no, I got invited over this person's house. They've spent the afternoon like really preparing this meal. They're trying to make me a meal so we can sit down and I'll eat it and I'll feel full and I'll feel satisfied. Yeah, you know, as opposed to just running to a Wendy's or running to you know an Arby's or something like that. Like, okay, just give me something. I'm hungry. You know, I think that's very comparable to that. The way the way you put yeah. it that way. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just I think that I'm looking forward to I don't know. I can't look forward to this because I have no idea if people are gonna adapt this or not. Maybe I'm just personally exhausted and I need to take a break. But I just feel like I see similar traits in my peers with like overworking themselves. And I don't think it's beneficial to anybody. Yeah. And it's like, I think that um, there's this whole thing with like social media and like got to post all the time and you got to keep the algorithm happy and post pictures of this and do this at this time and this on this day. And, you know, you can really go down the rabbit hole of trying to like do oh, all yeah. of this stuff. And it's like, okay, like, wait, am I a musician? Am I an artist mm. or am I just like a marketing guru like i guess you have to be a little bit of all of it to be air quote successful but yeah. like all i give a fuck about is the art like i just exactly. want to be in the studio and make stuff and put it out there and i figure you know if it's good do i really need to game the system into like catching the wave of the algorithm or if i put out something that is genuinely really really good like something that is undeniable People are going to see it and share it and share it and share it. And it's going to spread that way. Yeah, exactly. I feel like too many people try to trick, like try to game social media into making mediocre art popular. Yeah. And like for me, anytime I something doesn't work out for me, a video doesn't get a lot of views or a song doesn't get a lot of streams. I don't think that it's because the system's working against me. I'm just like, well, I guess this isn't that good. Like it's just I don't totally yet. also look at it that way. I look at it how you put it. It's like the the algorithm. That's how it's come since like 2001. That's how it's come in 20 years. It's like the algorithm is now what's holding certain people back, you know, as opposed to how it, it is, used though? to be. Yeah, I think so. I think that I think there's a lot of really, really talented, amazing artists out there, whether you're a singer or a rapper or a musician in general that are literally putting out some incredible stuff that maybe not a lot of people are hearing because it's not, it's going against the algorithm. You know what I mean? Like I, I think once you do break through, 
which God knows how long that can take. It can take years or whatever. Once you break through, people look back and like, whoa, you put out all this or you've been around this long. How did I not know about you? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying I know I'm going to get there, but I do know that I have met people who have heard my stuff and then would hit me up and or they would hit up someone that knows me who would tell me like, oh, man, I heard this guy, his name, and I saw him around and stuff, but I never really paid attention to him. And now that I actually listen to him, I can't believe all the stuff he's got out. I'm like, how did I sleep on this person? You know, I just think that's just the whole change and how it is. It's totally different from how it was 20 years ago. Yeah, I think that I don't know. I find myself honestly conflicted about like the algorithm thing. I think that it probably has some some hindrance for some artists yeah but also like you know one like i find that like part of me just leans towards like things whether you know art and a, a song being good or bad is subjective right yeah yeah but i think what is important and what makes things blow up or go viral or gain traction is just like how relatable they are to the listener because oh, yeah ultimately true. a song is a conversation between you the performer and the audience and i think that if you just have something that connects with enough people it's gonna blow up like yeah you know like lil nas x you know he's when he started twitter it was just basically a Nicki minaj fan account yeah and he started posting dumb little he was recording he started doing a couple little songs did some tiktok thing i don't think that he was planning or doing any sort of social media strategy to game the algorithm to get stuff out there it's just for whatever reason what he did connected with a ton of people and now it's like it became a big thing right yeah and i think that not saying that we should all be trying to write the next old town road but it's like okay you see stuff like that happen you know, like a lot of time, the artists that I see that have gotten really, really big or they have something that blows up, it blows up out of nowhere. It tends to be artists that don't seem like they were really trying. Yeah. Yeah. But then there are countless artists that I've talked to on the show or people that I know that are trying to do everything right and trying to tickle the algorithm correctly, but it doesn't seem to work out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, OK, so where is this balance in between where it's like, you know, just focusing on just making the best songs that you possibly can, but also being at least smart enough to know how to at least make a decent post online so people can see it. Because a lot of times with artists that are making really good music that aren't connecting to people online, it's like, well, they're not even trying. They're not even posting anything. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one thing to like post stuff and not be concerned about whether or not this is going to be good for the algorithm or not versus like, artists that i know that just never post anything like you can go on their instagram now and the last post that they made was eight months ago yeah and it's like okay well of course nobody's going to be picking up what you're doing if you don't post at all then nobody's going to know that you're alive you have to maintain some yeah. kind of social media presence also, you don't have to be on every social media platform yeah. but you at least yeah. have to but again but then there's the the too much where i mean there's people that i know that i mean love them to death great people 
but they just post way too much. And it's always the same shit promoting the same songs over and over again in stories in this constantly over and over and over. And I'm just like, bro, shut the fuck up. We know it's out. You don't got I mean, I can understand doing, doing that for the first few days or sure, like up to a week. Yeah. But if, yeah, if you're talking like months later and you're still posting as if it just came out a few days ago, then yeah. Okay. You, you already put it out there. Yeah. Everyone knows it's out there. If it hasn't caught fire, you can't keep relying on the fact that it's going to catch fire down the line because it's not like how it used to be. I mean, that was how you could still blow up even back in the late nineties, early two thousands, your album could come out and maybe the first single didn't catch on, or maybe the second single didn't catch on, but then maybe that third single came out and your album has been out seven months. All of a sudden it's top of the charts and they're like, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. So I think people probably still have that idea of, oh, it hasn't caught on yet, but it will catch on eventually. And I don't agree with that in this day and age. I think if it hasn't caught right away, it's not going to catch on. I think that really I look at it like cyberpunk that game like okay. <laughs> when that game came out there was so much hype around it and then because of all the glitches it like got all this negative press yeah. and a lot of people returned their games and the, it's like the programmers uh, the people representing that company are putting out things like no we are determined we're going to fix these glitches we are convinced this is a game that's going to sell for years like GTA 5 and it's like dude um, <laughs> I think you dropped the ball and I really don't think there's going to be any way you can bounce back from this even if you do fix all the glitches you know sure and i'm just saying that as an example like you know you might have something great that you believe is going yeah. to hit the ground running and explode and be the thing that everyone's going to be talking about for the next year or something like that's going to happen yeah. and you just have to get to a point where you realized okay i think that i think we that, lost the traction you know i think the cyberpunk thing is a little bit different in the terms of like that's something that a lot of people were looking forward to and then it releases and it's a pile of dog shit so yeah. it's kind of like a really bad first impression mm -hmm. whereas maybe if you're an underground that's what i mean bad that, first impression that's like, what i mean but like with some artists that have like maybe they put out their first release and nobody's ever heard it a year later they haven't even had that first impression at all mm -hmm. but i think a lot of it leans on like what your target demographic is i think for maybe younger people like if you're a teenager, maybe you don't want to listen to something that came out a year or two ago. But mm -hmm. if you're in your late 30s, I'll listen to something that came out 10 years ago. I don't give a shit about yeah, or like 30 that. years yeah. ago or 40 yeah. years yeah. ago. Even I was I, I, almost, I was just listening yesterday. I was just listening to f the fucking doors. L.A. woman on vinyl. Yeah. And that came out like what? 50 years ago. Sure. So, I mean, sure. I, that's what happens when you hit your 30s. You know what I mean? You tend to like you tend to listen to way more than you would have in your early 20s. So I think that there's a thing where, you know, if you are I, I don't know, like what the horror core demographic is for like younger people i'm sure there are people that are into it but i would imagine there's also a lot of people that are probably in their 20s 30s 40s i mean it's not too different from metal in that yeah. regard yeah. right like it's it's a really wide encompassing um demographic of people that listen to that music whereas there are some other like maybe like top 40 pop stuff is like geared towards like a younger demographic well the new school you know? yeah like the new school and is not something I'm against. I like it is like what really people, even though they don't like that term, a lot of people say that the kids today getting into horrorcore are actually now getting in because of artists like Suicide Boys or Ghost Mane yeah. or Bones, you know, that new style where it's like it's trap music, but it's almost done with like a 
early 80s punk well, approach to it. That's what I was talking about at the very top of this conversation when I was saying, like, you know, how do you, you're somebody that embraces the horrorcore genre, whereas, like, a lot of these newer bands that are coming out, like you mentioned, you don't really hear them attaching that genre because there's themselves. a stigma to it exactly you know? that's what i was talking they're about. worried that it's going to the because of insane clown posse them being ahead of the pack for years decades them being you know viewed as a novelty act now everybody if you do horrorcore they assume that you're a novelty act that you're not really putting yourself into the music you know, everything you're doing is just an act. It's not really who you, you know, are or anything like that. And I'm like, you could, ex- you could accuse people in gangster rap of doing the same sure. thing. You can do, you can do that with any genre. I mean, Ice Cube was going to University of Arizona studying to be an architect when he was writing fuck the police for, you know, yeah. straight out of Compton. So, you know, I mean, the that's same, how I look at it. The same thing happened with new metal, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, you know, new metal kind of got boiled down to like oh it's all corn and limp biscuit and corn yeah right because of trl and lincoln park yeah and you know over the years i mean even lincoln park kind of distanced themselves from it if you listen to the last couple lincoln park records they're not really new metal records at all they're more just straight up rock records with chester took over the majority of the vocal stuff Mm. and mike shinoda would seem to be more just doing music and production with an occasional vocal that's why I, I love when he did that fort minor record yeah it was a really cool in, in record. 2005 that was seeming like that was around the time where it seemed like they were kind of trying to step away from new metal and i guess he created that group so he could do you know more rapping and stuff like yeah, that you know but i think that you know there is and and this sounds funny and people will laugh at me some people will laugh at me when i say this but i think there's a highly artistic quality to new metal that is there's a huge potential there but there was a stigma for so long like after you know all of the corn and limp biscuit shit faded away but there was a lot of really cool artists in that genre that never really got the recognition that i think they should have oh definitely because of just that stigma and now like we finished writing uh, a new Normal Creatures record, not Nightmare Arcade. The past six months, we wrote another album. A whole new album. A whole new album. And Ooh. it is like pretty oh my much God. It's pretty much a straight up new metal record. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. But I mean, you know, oh my God. it, it you... has like, I would say new metal was probably the biggest influence, but it still sounds like it's there's shit from everywhere. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And that's what I love about your stuff. You you kind of like me. You like to pull from everything and you like to be different and unique as opposed to being, you know, trying to apply yourself to the masses. Yeah, and I think that maybe in a similar way to you in the way that you approach horrorcore, that's how I'm trying to approach, you know, embracing this new metal stuff with this new material that we're working on because like this is music that I grew up loving. And I feel like there is a really cool potential to do something with this genre that nobody has really done. And I could do it by pulling the influences from bands that I grew up listening to that a lot of people just missed out on because they weren't all over MTV and the radio and like filter this into like this new thing that I want to do. Just be very like unapologetic about like, I know that this is going to seem corny on the surface to a lot of people because i'm attaching this subgenre to it mm-hmm. but if you give it a chance i guarantee you this is going to be something really unique and there's something for everybody in it I'm not saying you're going to like it but 
I don't think it's going to be like what you expect to hear. Yeah, and I do feel like new metal is kind of making a comeback the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Like I know I remember when uh, it's not because uh, I'm trying to make an act an actual example was like when I was in the studio with Raina Z. And we were talking about doing a song together or something. They were telling me about how they loved uh, when I prevailed did the one song where they actually had a rap and, okay. and, and it was drawing from that new metal era. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, I would love if we did something like that together. Or you hear a group like Bring the Horizon. They're definitely influenced by the new metal era. And if I if I can say so, I think they're embracing it more than other people. And that was the cool thing about the new metal era. It was kind of like all these bands we're actually trying to help each other. You know, it was like everybody loved trying to like bring you out on tour with them or guest on your album yeah, or talk a- about you in an interview. There was there was so much camaraderie back then and I noticed that even as a fan, like reading magazine interviews or seeing interviews on TV or whatever. I was like, man, there's so much camaraderie and that's what I missed about that yeah. era. It doesn't yeah. seem like there hasn't been that it, since then until like the whole Suicide Boys, Ghost Man era. There seems like there's a lot of rappers now with that style and they're all kind of like having a camaraderie and banding together, which I think is cool. Yeah, it's cool to see that Um, because when you think of like those artists that you're bringing up, I would say that their main demographic is probably teens, early 20s. You know, they're doing more youth driven stuff and it's cool to see people in that demographic being into it Mm -hmm. but you're gonna have this issue where you know i'm not i mean i'm in i'm in my Mm mid-30s right so you know visually visually i don't know or think that many teenagers want to see me performing music yeah and and it's like it's a weird things you know because it's like it's like i feel like i'm making music for other weirdos that are my age you know my peer my peer group right that's Mm -hmm. and how many 30 somethings can i expect to come watch my band play it's like you want to target the youth but like figuring out how to do that and still like maintain a proper balance. Yeah. Like, like still know, saying who you are, but at the same oh yeah, time, you're like, not trying to completely like, Oh yeah. No, I'm not trying to fucking like, you know, start dressing like a 20 year old kid and be like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm one of you guys, right? <laughs> like I'm going to be myself. But yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess that goes back to that. Uh, Jim Jarmusch quote about authenticity. Yeah, it's invaluable and, and originality and is I non-existent. That, Anything that you think is original, it's been done one way or another. Everybody pulls from something that resonates totally. with them and, and creates if, something all of their own. If you're able to create a product that is authentic, I think it's going to transcend age and race and gender and all that stuff. Like if you're just doing something that is really cool, people will latch onto it. So I just need to focus you know, on not worrying so much about being anything other than myself and people that are going to fuck with it are going to fuck with it. Like you can't force people to love you. Yeah, right? exactly. You know, that's, yeah. that's why the, the genie doesn't let, doesn't grant that wish. I, yeah. Do it. But I will say that I was very mind blown when I did a Pennsylvania Gothic, you know, last March, I was like, I mean, March 2020, I did a lot of experimentation and there's definitely a lot of me pulling from a lot of different things that resonated with me. And I kind of approached it like, okay, if I make this and 
this is the only thing I ever put out professionally and I never put out anything again. At least I know I put out something I like. I was blown away by the people who were hitting me up like, man, this sounds so different. It sounds so cool. I love this one song. And I'm like, really? You love that song? I'm surprised. I didn't think anybody would like it because I was pulling from everything. I was pulling from everything from rock to new metal to folk to even Celtic music. You know, because I yeah. grew up all listening to that stuff. So I kind of put all the elements of everything I listened to into a lot of those songs. So I was surprised when I had people like in their like early 20s hitting me up thinking it was dope. I mean, it was kind of, you know, definitely a rewarding feeling to know that you could be as old as yeah. you are and you make something that someone that young actually thinks is cool. No, I think that, you know, I, it, whenever I heard all the stuff, I was impressed by it just because like you know when you hear underground releases in that genre of music um especially like diy stuff it's usually and i'm not saying this to be mean but it's usually garbage a lot of the stuff mm -hmm. that i have heard it's just like trash production you mean contact content or actual like production Both, everything okay you okay. know what i mean like because there's just like a lot of people that uh you know, it's one thing to like in like the horror core realm to want to tell these like horror esque stories. But sometimes there are artists that aren't very graceful with their songwriting. And it's just kind of like violent for the sake of being violent mm -hmm. with uh, not good delivery, bad production. And it's just very forced sounding. Yeah. But I mean, that's not anything that's honestly exclusive to horrorcore. You can find very sourced or very forced bad sounding stuff in underground music of any genre. There's yeah. Plenty of metal Absolutely. bands and plenty of pop and all that stuff. Yeah. But I guess in general, I don't hear a lot of underground horrorcore. So like hearing it and then like hearing like just how well I could tell like a lot of thought went into the songwriting and the production and everything. And I was just like, this is really fucking cool. And then you sit down and talk with you and you talk about your background and, you know, being nerdy enough to be throwing Jim Jarmusch quotes out there and talking about <laughs> ECW and all this stuff. It's just like, you know, you're a well read. I didn't mention ECW, but give me the fist bump for that. Cause I, need, cause I, I needed that. Uh, I grew I, up on ECW. We talked too. about ECW in our first conversation. Yeah. But, um, you know, new, new metal rap and ECW, sure. that, was, that was my late teen years. But yeah, dude. And like, it's obvious that like, you know, you're somebody that's really, really well read, even though these aren't like physical books, we'll just call them metaphorical books. You're yeah. well read in the metaphorical book of this lifestyle of being like, you know, a metalhead, a horror kid, a rap head, all of these things, you know, a product of being a teenager in the late nineties and early two thousands. I'm the same. We're cut from the same cloth. So it's really cool because all of that stuff really, um, was, you can like hear and feel all of that stuff in the EP. You, you, uh, probably didn't intentionally do it. It probably just naturally happened. And that's awesome. I, I wasn't trying. I will say this. I wasn't trying to like impress anybody yeah. or anything like that. I, so I know what you mean by that. No, no. And not at like, one yeah, point. Did I was yeah, like, nothing was forced. It didn't feel like. Um, I mean, it still doesn't feel inauthentic. It just feels yeah. like very much you. And well, honestly, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah. That really means a lot to me. That really does mean a lot to me, especially coming from you, because you're definitely a very well-rounded person. 
So I really appreciate that. Hey, real recognize real, uh, as they say. Game recognize game. Seriously. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Yo, no, that, that really means a lot to me. Thank you. No, I, I, I appreciate it. I think that, um, you know, there's so many people that I, I talk to, whether it's on this podcast or not on the podcast, and they're just not. It doesn't. It seems like, you know, I think it's important to be selfish with your art, but don't be selfish with your peers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's really important to be humble and be gracious. And if you see somebody doing something good in your peer group, tell them, you know, I think there's always like this thing sometimes where like people treat it like a competition or they don't feel like comfortable, like saying like, hey, I, I think what you're doing is really good. And I don't mm. know what that is. If it's an ego thing, a self-esteem thing, maybe a mixture of all of the above, right? Yeah. Artists are sensitive fucking turds sometimes, yeah. right? Um, but I think that it's really and there. Important. And I have to say, though, there are some times where you make it a compliment from another artist, but you kind of might not take it as uh, you would from somebody who's a fan of your stuff because you almost like you get the vibe from them that they're saying like, Hey, good job. You know? Oh, sure. You, you, you keep at it, kid. You'll be as good as me one day, you know? And yeah. it's kind of like that empty kind of or like, yeah, appreciation or when it's different from a fan, like, thank you so much. I mean, you tend to take that more to heart than you would just some artist giving you that empty yeah. encouragement. I had a, um, so there was a recent episode of my podcast and anybody that hasn't listened to this episode, I highly recommend it. It was with a comedian named Jeff Fieldhouse. It was in the past couple of months. It's recent. And I was asking him about being in the comedy scene and what is it like? What's the camaraderie like between comedians? Because like in the music scene, it could be kind of fucked up sometimes because there's a lot of fakeness. And he was saying that he doesn't see that as much in the comedy scene because in the music scene, a lot of times, especially in hip hop, there's this fakeness because we all kind of need something from each other, you mm -hmm. know, in some way. Sometimes somebody might be cool with you because like, oh, you make beats and they want to get like a free beat or like mm -hmm. you do shows or you have an in with some shows or, you know, this producer, or you work with somebody. And there's all these like in the music scene, we always kind of need favors from each other. Mm -hmm. But in the comedy scene, they don't need that. Like they don't really yeah. need each other. All they need is themselves. And they go up on stage and they do their shit and they don't need to fucking make friends. Whereas in the music scene, it's like a death sentence if you don't make friends. But a lot of people That's make true. friends for the wrong reasons. It was a really, really interesting conversation. He he digs into it a lot better than I did, but recommended, recommended uh, listening for anybody that wants to listen to something after this conversation. Well, I definitely will check. Out that one. <laughs> I definitely will check out that one. But I know what you mean there, because I have a, a couple of friends of mine who grew up who actually did you know, go through the whole independent stand-up comedian circuit. And they always said like, contrary to what he said, I guess there were a lot of times where they said, you know, it almost seemed like if they ended up being funny or getting a pop on the crowd, the other comedians would be envious of them or not really want to talk to them or anything because it's like, it's kind of similar to hip hop. It's like there are artists out there who give you that vibe. Well, wait a minute. You know, you, you can't do this. You can't, uh, get this many listeners on Spotify. You can't do a show and draw this many people. You have to earn my respect first. Sure. Once you earn my respect and, and quote unquote, pay your dues. Cause that's what they like to say the most 
pay your dues first, meaning I had to go through all of this to get that. So you don't deserve to get that until you go through all the same stuff, which I don't agree with. But I just look at it like that. You know, it's like there's going to be those people, whether it's in stand up comedy and music or anything that are going to like want to like help you out or embrace you or bounce ideas off you or encourage you to do things. And then there's going to be the other, the other people who are going to be like, no, you, you, you have to go through this first and earn my respect before you can go do all that other stuff. And I just don't agree with that. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't fuck with that energy either. I think that it's really easy when you're starting out and you don't know people to maybe you get roped into that sort of a scene because Mm -hmm. you don't know anybody else. And maybe you don't understand that like things aren't supposed to be like that. You know, when I started playing shows um, as a hip hop artist, I was like trying to get into different pockets of a hip hop community where I had no business being there in some, in some regards, some may say I should have been like, you know, anybody should be able to perform anywhere. But it just wasn't my crowd because I, I have that rock lean. Right. And this was like 2007, 2008. Right. Yeah. And like the whole like being, you know, a weird, abrasive, screamy rapper thing wasn't what it is today. Where like that's actually cool. And kids like that. Nobody liked that shit back then. And I didn't actually find my niche until I started playing with rock bands. I kind of had to get out of that rap scene. But the rap scene was weird because it was like there's so much like pay to play stuff, all of this showcase bullshit, like, you know, give mm. us X amount of money and you'll get X amount of time on a stage or um, I mean, that stuff happens in other genres, too. But the hip hop stuff, it just felt like it wasn't about like actually seeing people perform. I, I don't know. It always felt like everybody was there to do their five or ten minutes that they paid for. They don't hang out to really make friends or mingle with anybody else to like do their set and leave. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a weird thing. It didn't feel like there was any real community. Yeah. I know what back you mean. Then, you know, like there was an overarching community. Like there was a lot of people there, but like nobody knew each other. And I don't think anybody was going out of their way to talk to each other. And yeah. I started playing like rock shows at fire halls. And it's like, Oh, I'm actually like making friends, you know, and yeah. at these places. I think, well, I mean, that's something I really liked about when I first heard about you. It's like when I, um, you know, when I made my first EP, I had the, the and the first single, you know, was and they will know now. I had my friend Rick Topping from Black Market, you know, sing the chorus to that, and he's actually the one who uh, first told me about you. Yeah. And the thing that I really liked about what he told me about you was he was like, "No, dude, you have to understand. You, you got to check this guy out because this dude loves music." not just he he raps he he does some rock he's also in a metal band but everything this dude does in his life he puts all into just making music you'll just you'll he's one of those people where you'll never meet another person who just loves and is as passionate about music as this guy so when i found out that when the ep came out that i was going to have a chance to be on your show I was that was one of the things I was really looking forward to when I met you because I was like, oh, wow, this is that this is the dude he was telling me about. And I got that vibe from you right out the gate. So that's the that's the thing I I like about your mind state is like you're like, well, if I'm rapping and I'm not really making getting the response I am here, I'll go do rock. If I'm not getting the response here, I'll go do metal or I'll or I'll do all three because 
I just love making music in general. And that's the vibe I've gotten from you. It's one of the things I really love and respect about you. I think that, thank you. I think that a lot of times too, it's really easy, you know, as an artist to like, you know, pigeonhole yourself and be like, well, like, okay, like I'm a horrorcore artist. If I can't find horrorcore shows to play on, then I guess I'm not going to play any shows. And it's like, fuck that. Go find a punk show to play on. You know, well, people, that is the hard part because you do do horrorcore, and it's like when I did have a show, I was supposed to go to Texas for this one show, but because of COVID and a, a situation that happened, I couldn't fly to Texas, and I was really bummed because this was going to be a pretty big horrorcore show that I was going to be on with some other artists that I really like and respect, and it was going to be I was I know I was going to have a fun time, yeah, but I couldn't go for that reason. And then a friend of mine who I told I was bummed about, I was like, well, just, you know, get on a show up here somewhere. And I'm like, well, you don't understand, dude. Horrorcore is a very niche market. If I go, you know, do it open for a regular rap show, they're going to look at me like, what the hell? Or if I go open for a rock show, they're going to look at me, what the hell? They, I, I feel I, like I, I disagree you know, with you. well, I understand that now, yeah. but I'm saying my mind state was, is I want to first put my genre first and break into my genre before I try to cross over and get into these other things. That was my mind state at the time. It's not the mind state it was a yeah. year ago, but that's how I was thinking in the beginning because like you said, it's a niche market. So yeah, my goal when I make music is to try to make it more accessible and I don't see that as yeah. selling out, yeah, No, but I'm trying to bring in yeah. people who might not have listened to it before and give it more of a chance. And who knows, I might even yeah. be their quote unquote gateway drug into this so i realize i'm not going to limit myself to that yeah i think that i can't tell you how many times um over the years playing shows like doing rap shit at not rap shows people have come up to me and like been like i wasn't expecting to see something like this today and it was really cool or like people that are just like it's nice to have like a break like if i'm sandwiched in between a bunch of metal bands there's people sometimes they're like it's nice to like hear something different not everybody yeah. wants to just hear the same things all the time most people i think most people have a much wider um palette of music than you would think yeah so in definitely. a live environment people tend to really be into like a mixed genre show and i think again going back to that authenticity if like you're really good at what you're doing and you're giving a good performance there may even be people that don't like the music but they're still going to enjoy the performance yeah or know, at least appreciate like, the effort or yeah. you conveying that you are being you like that to me there's nothing more um nothing more gratifying or nothing more flattering than when someone who doesn't really listen to what you're doing tells you like they either come up to you in person or they hit you up online and they say hey listen i don't really listen to that stuff but yeah. i heard you man you're you're actually really good that's like so flattering Dude. when someone outside your genre actually compliments yeah. you and tells you oh they like what you're doing the wildest thing happened to me it was actually the last show that i played it was in march of 2020 it's the last show that i've i've not played a show since then you've done was, online uh yeah yeah we've done the online stuff which i loved i watched all of them i really liked all of those they Thank were great you, uh, but we did a it was the it was the last Grey Walker show in March of 2020, like the week that everything shut down. Um, so it's a metal show, you know, yeah, lots, yeah. lots of metal bands, lots of metal looking people. Not to get off topic, but I do remember not, I'm not getting off topic, but I just have to point it out real quick. I remember when you uh, you guys were putting out your album 
and you had that show down at the Rex yeah. and Black Market open. Yeah. I remember coming to that show and just being mind blown that how, uh, not just that your performances, but just the whole vibe of that show. Everybody just seemed so happy to yeah. be there. And was everybody a, was just loving. It was so much positive cool that you were energy. There. I didn't realize you were there. That's yeah, there awesome, was so man. much positive energy there. Yeah. And I just remember like telling that to Rick. And I remember just feeling like, oh my God, you know, he was right about this dude. This dude just loves music in general. And it just doesn't seem like he limits himself. And I like that. I appreciate it. But that. I didn't want, I just, I, I, I just I, had to point that out. When you brought up Gray Walker, I was like, I have to point that that's out. That's cool, man. I, I, that's cool to know that you were at that show. But I wasn't trying um, to get off. No, no, not yeah. at all. So what happened was there was an older gentleman that came up to me some point in time during the night. And um, by older, you mean he was probably, you know, 40s, maybe even early 50s. Okay. okay. But, you know, like long gray hair, some heavy metal t-shirt denim you know yeah old, old school metal head looking dude and he walks up to me and he's all like hey when's the new sykes and a new violence album coming out and i was like what uh. <laughs> it was like he was like yeah he's like i really really like the stuff that i really like the stuff that you guys do and that's like for anybody that doesn't know before we sykes and a new violence was what normal creatures yeah, used yeah. to be called yeah uh, before we changed the band name but uh, it was so fucking wild because like I never in a million years would I have expected like this old. He almost looked like a biker, you know, like an old <laughs> metalhead biker, dude, but really, really nice. And like, yeah, you would never think that. But again, people really enjoy different things. We played a show in Oil City once as Sykes in a New Violence and a very similar situation. An older gentleman came up to me that had like a bunch of denim on after we got off stage he's like walking up to me and i'm like oh fuck like you know because yeah. like i've had situations where like people talk shit it happens it's it's inevitable like, yeah like what the fuck are you if doing you're somewhere here? out there because we were playing with a bunch of rock bands and shit like that yeah and uh you know this guy had a very thick accent that i'm not gonna do but you know it was you know, had like a had a had a drawl to it and you know it was, like a little southern drawl. Yeah, yeah, okay, you know. Okay. And he was just like that was awesome. It was really, really cool to see something like that. I've never seen anything like that before. His son came over, they were talking to me. It was a lot of fun. But like it was like experiences like that make me realize it's like, okay, sure, maybe being the rapper at the metal show. There's going to be some people that fucking hate it. I know there yeah. are a lot of people that can't fucking stand me because they think what I do is corny, especially in the metal scene. There's definitely some people that don't fuck with me or fuck with Gray Walker because I do the rap shit. Yeah, it's it's inevitable. No, I totally but, get like there's a there's a New York rapper. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I also grew up listening to him. It was called Necro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Necro, he make he's a really good artist and he's made some really great hardcore rap with definitely a lot of elements of horrorcore. I know he doesn't like to be called horrorcore. Yeah. But he brings in a lot of elements of horror. You know, I remember hearing him talk about how he went on to um, a tour with a bunch of metal groups and he was the only rapper there and he got so much hate which he couldn't believe because you know he he had a lot of uh metal legends guested on his album yeah who all were like doing interviews and going out and saying how they were excited about this record and how different and cool he was and he just got such overwhelming hate for that yeah so i 
I think it's great that you and you're the kind of person who can do shows with like all rock bands and be the only rapper on the show or, and actually get that kind of positive response. Yeah, from a, I mean, Cause it definitely doesn't happen for everybody. Yeah. You know? So I think that definitely also speaks volumes about you well, as an artist. Too, you know, it's like, you know, anytime I'm in that position, you know, maybe I've had, I mean, I'm sure in the past I've maybe blown up or been a bit of a, a dick on stage and maybe you've like pestered the crowd if I felt like I was getting bad vibes. That's inevitable. Right? Or if you felt like you were but, getting heckled. But yeah. But yeah. for the most part, if I find myself in the situation as being the outsider, I don't like go out of my way to be obnoxious about it. Yeah. I'm not on stage like, oh, but you guys weren't expecting this. You know, it's like I just play my fucking set. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, this is what the fuck it's going to be. And either you're going to like it or you're not going to like it. And I think maybe part of that, too, is just like after doing this for so long and you get older and you understand that there are more important things in life than whether or not somebody likes you. Like, I don't need any more fucking friends. I'm 36 years old. What the fuck do I need more friends for? Mm hmm. Not that I don't mind making. But, no, no, I know. But you exactly know what I mean? What like, mean. I'm not trying to really like. You're not trying to anybody. force yeah. it. You're not trying to yeah. force it. Yeah. I don't need you to like me. If you don't want to like me, please don't. It's fine. Yeah. But. I know exactly enjoy, what you mean. I hope you I hope you enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. You try to find ways to like, again, you know, with being a performer and trying to connect and communicate with an audience, you know, I want to be accessible. I don't want to like go out of my way to do things where I'm like intentionally like trying to push people away. And that, but, and that's, what's weird is because, you know, it's like, I like using the word accessible and there are a lot of people who don't like when I use that word. Cause they associate that with selling out, which no. I don't see that that way. I mean, selling out is if I'm purposely trying to make something pop. Uh, when I say I'm trying to make something accessible, I'm trying to make, make it to, so I can bring more people in. I mean, do yeah. it because you're looking at uh, a genre that you love so much that you have a passion for and you're watching as it's kind of like depleting and it's not because of necessarily popularity it could have just be from a bunch of different things it could be from an artist getting a lot of bad flack or you know uh, something else happening you know but it starts to dwindle and of course you're going to want to try to bring more people in and they're like no no you can't do that i'm yeah. like no i want yeah. i want this stuff to keep going because i yeah. love it and i know there's a kid out there who probably is going to discover it and be like oh thank god i'm so glad i yeah. discovered this yeah. and like also you know the term accessibility doesn't have to have any effect on the the art itself or like the core more moral compass of whatever the work you're trying to do is i think that with making something accessible it's just being very aware that like nobody's gonna listen to your music or fuck with you if they don't have if you don't have something to give them like if they have nothing to take with them and make a part of their life they're not going to listen to your music right like mm -hmm. even some of the darkest shit that you've seen Right. Like whether it's like a real crazy artist or like a really fucked up movie or something like that, it was still accessible because it was able to tell a story that you were able to understand and digest in a way that it became like part of your being where you're like, oh, I fucking love this. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's uh, accessible accessibility doesn't necessarily directly relate to things being like more family friendly or more like PG or things like that. I think that it's just more about like opening up the doors to let as many people in as possible.
but still doing still being yourself 110 percent yeah i mean and there's times where as an artist you know especially there's that a lot of people don't understand in hip-hop it's not always like you wait to get the beat and then come up with a song idea and write the song there's a lot of times where you'll sit and you come up with a song idea or a story or a message that you want to tell and you don't have anything for it yet and your mind state is, is okay this is the story i want to tell this is what i want to say this is the message i want to convey how do i really convey it and reach hopefully more than just a few people i could go into it and be very straight down the line and do like the stereotypical run-of-the-mill standard genre song or i could try to go a little farther with it i could go wider with the sound i could experiment more i mean there's songs that i've done where i could have just gone straight down the line and done something very you know simplistic or predictable and i wasn't trying to be unpredictable for the sake of being unpredictable you know which is like that kind of like david lynch thing or i'm just going to be strange for the for the sake of being strange yeah. it's like no i'm trying to tell this story or convey this message to you in a way that's not predictable so you really absorb it as opposed to just going straight down the line so i understand i totally get what you mean by that yeah it's like nobody really wants to watch a movie if they already know like what's going to happen yeah right? or they so know like, the blueprint yeah you know? You know, like there's like, a blueprint certain movies follow yeah but it's like it's weird finding because like also like if we go from movies to food there's a reason why like cheeseburgers work like you don't mm -hmm. really fuck with the cheeseburger concept you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's you can fuck with the toppings a bit but for the most part a cheeseburger is a very simple thing and nobody's ever mad to eat a cheeseburger mm -hmm. so you know with music it's like finding that way to like make the best tasting unique cheeseburger yeah um i know what you mean because i like or taco I, remember or taco. we had that we had that discussion about sure. tacos sure uh i think that you know there is a real power in um being accessible mm -hmm. i also think there is a real power in simplicity which is another thing that a lot of people that are especially yeah. like artists don't want to you know like oh things shouldn't be simple everything should be crazy and it's just like you know think about like you're trying to bring your music to a lot of people it just needs to be digestible yeah um, digestible you know like yeah. you know just because like i can eat the hottest hot sauce in the world doesn't mean that i'm going to just give it to a bunch of other people and assume that they can hang like i like some weird shit i like weird music i could do some really weird off the chain stuff like, mm. but like i don't know if that's like how i would want to like 100 percent present myself to the world because i don't want to be like i don't want to be something that is a challenge for people to listen to or to get into like, yeah. i want i want to make songs that are like easy to listen to and easy to understand i want the point of the song to come across yeah i i really liked when i heard that about uh when Dave Grohl did an interview when he was talking about when they were doing Nirvana, especially during the whole uh, Nevermind era, they said when they were writing that record, the whole point was making simple songs. Yeah. And they said if the song got too complex or too, you know, intricate, they would just scrap it, you know, because they were carried about like, let's, 
let's make simple songs with a message that resonates with people and hopefully reach as many people as we can. And they definitely succeeded in that. So there is power in simplicity. And I will say this on those uh, recent songs that I did that I put out, there were, there were times where I did just go completely simple with it as opposed to my usual style, which is being intricate and having a lot of texture. I mean, that's of course my name because, you know, labyrinthine labyrinth maze like you know so because i always tend to be intricate and a lot of people would tell me that you know listening to your stuff is like a maze i have to go back and listen to it a few times and realize oh you act i didn't even realize you rhymed here or, oh my god i didn't even realize you were talking about this or making reference to this yeah. which i like but as you put it there is power in simplicity and on the least recent songs i did i did use more simplicity on it and that's why I was so shocked at the positive response. Cause I was like, really? I mean, this is like, this is so simple compared sure. to the stuff I usually do, but people really liked it. So yeah, I realized I gotta, I gotta balance it. I gotta the, do both. It's the balance, you know, because if you, if you add a little bit of simplicity and you sprinkle a little bit of complexity in it, it makes the complex parts really pop. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's like the extra little, fucking paprika on the taco or whatever mm. right just that little extra like holy shit like that's cool but i think that the fundamental base should be something that is like really easy for pretty much anybody to digest and then from there you can make some parts tricky some parts maybe even simpler yeah i think that um i don't know there's no right way to write a song yeah exactly you know? but the i think that you know straight like always trying to be whether it's like being like i want to be uh always trying to be like so different or so unique um i mean it's kind of impossible to yeah. do that i would just kind of suggest embracing your uh embracing your influences not being afraid of accessibility or simplicity yeah and just kind of like i don't know getting over yourself a bit like you know, like who, like not saying this to you. I'm just saying this to people. Yeah, in general. no. Like, but like, who do you think you are? You know, yeah. as an artist, like, you know, do you think you're some fucking, you know, god tier songwriter that's gonna sh reshape the plane of existence that we all look and think about music on? Probably not. Well, it's like what but you brought not, up before about yeah. you got to be humble. You know, yeah. even whether you're around other artists or in fans. I mean, that's something that I've always strive to be and something that i've you know taken pride in the fact is that i don't as much as empowering maybe my music will be for me i don't ever try to act like i'm better than anyone and that's weird though when you do that stuff and then people do kind of like think like oh you think you're so cool or you think you're so great look at you you think you're in this music video you think you're so much better than me or you're do on this show or you're doing this song you think you're better than me don't you i knew you back when you weren't doing anything you know you're you're not as cool as you think you are and i'm like well i'm not saying i am sure you know? i'm just i'm just saying that i'm being me and i'm doing what makes me happy and if you seeing me do that is not like you don't like seeing that because you, you want me to stay down here because that's where you believe i belong in your realm of existence then sorry you know i'm not gonna follow that yeah format you know that's something i realize i have to be prepared for i know a lot of people are out there who are not going to want to see you do well at something or succeed at music or movies or anything because they're going to look at it like no you're 
you know, you weren't, you weren't cool when I knew you, you know, and look at you, you think you're being cool now. It's like, no, I'm just being me. Yeah, totally. Totally. Like, you know, there's people that I was in high school with that, you know, whenever we we graduate high school and some kids go to college and there was like this weird falling out and like this weird, like attitude that like some of my friends had with me were like, for whatever reason, they assumed that like, I didn't want to be around them or like I had better things to do because like I'm this artist guy now. And yeah. All I care exactly. about is like doing music and shit like that. And it's like, I'm still a fucking dork. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, like you're like, it's like, are you like projecting your insecurities onto me? I don't know what's going on here. Like I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how I've ever, I mean, maybe when I was younger, I could have been a little bit more cocky with my attitude in my early twenties. Maybe mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Yeah. It's my, my God given right to be cocky <laughs> in my twenties. Right. Uh, but you know, I, I, but for the most part, I didn't think that I was somebody that would rub anybody the wrong way. And like a lot of my friends just like, were kind of weird about like my, taking this music shit seriously and i mean yeah. these were like kids that would like your creative do pursuit like there was like you know in high school we were all like we would like hang out we would go to the mall together we would write joke rap songs together and all these things and then like after yeah. high school it's like oh like i'm going to do this and like none of those kids ever came to any of my shows they all lost touch you know with me and it was yeah. like anytime like it was like this weird like distance that i felt like they put between me and them but yeah. like the thing is even fucked up about it is like you know like i might be friends with like one or two of them on facebook still and they're all still fucking friends and they still hang out yeah you know what i mean like they're it's not like the circle like broke it's like i was like ostracized almost for some reason and you know if i ever would like happen to run into somebody like at a comic book convention or something because that's the shit that we did in high school we yeah. all still do that like, we're still yeah we're still the same fucking dork right there's like this weird like hesitance to like want to like I, I, just, I just you ever like run into somebody in public and you could tell that they don't want to talk to you no <laughs> you know like you run into somebody especially at the if it's store. somebody who you went to high school yeah, with yeah. or maybe even if it's someone you hung out with after high school maybe yeah. you did a bunch of things together maybe you were in the same group of friends and then you run into them and they're kind of like oh hey what's up sorry i gotta get going I'm sure like, it's like it's so- oh yeah you couldn't sit and talk to me for maybe two three minutes yeah <laughs> it's, it's weird but it's like also like it's your adult privilege to decide who you want to talk with it's well, exactly i know strange what you that like yeah. i just never really got like a full picture as to why like what did i do yeah exactly what did i do just because i'm doing music you think that oh i think i've got better things to do or i've got cooler people to hang out with or yeah like oh don't you have this i'm like oh why would we invite like, him to like dog, our game it's, night it's or like, why would we ask him to go meet us at sure. this place it's i like, mean I'm at, he's got something cooler to do i'm at this comic book convention looking at ninja turtle figures by myself I do not have anything else better to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fuck do you think I'm doing? Like, yeah, it's, and that's like the reality of it. Yeah. You know? So I don't, I don't, I, I agree. I mean, it's just, and, and I will say this, that I definitely, that mind state definitely filtered into my newest songs. 
like the that whole mind state of feeling like oh all of a sudden the people i thought i was really cool with are not really cool with me anymore yeah yeah i'm i'm kind of more uh isolated than i thought i would be at my age and it's not that i'm lonely it's just i'm kind of you you get shocked that like wait you how come these people don't want to like talk to me anymore how come these people like kind of like give me the brush off you know what did i do i'm i'm what did i do i'm just i'm making how come and how come it happened when i started making music all of a sudden yeah nobody's returning my calls or my text messages or emails there's this thing too like so many people that i know do this shit to me and it makes me feel bad and it annoys the shit out of me so to any of my friends watching this right now i'm about to ream your fucking asses out on this shit stop assuming that i'm fucking busy like everybody (laughs) all the time like They'll just be like, like, hey, like, if you're not like, if you ever have the time, would you want to do this or that or this? It's like that, that's that's how they'll open it up. Yeah, like, yeah, like you know, I know you're busy like, and I stuff like that. I'm like, it's like, yeah, I am busy. But like the thing that I always tell people when this comes up is like, look, the whole reason I started making music and making art and sharing it with the world, right, was because I wanted to find like-minded people. It's like I'm more concerned with like making friends and building relationships than I am about like my art being successful. Yeah. That happens, like really like, oh, moving units or but, selling a ton of merchandise or but, doing a big nationwide yeah. tour. That's not ne- not that you wouldn't be happy if totally. that happened. Yeah. But that's not your primary goal. It's about meeting people like you. Right. Yeah. And it's really easy to get lost and forget that. But I try to remember that and I try to let people know that it's like. I don't give a shit like, okay, like if nobody hits me up, yeah, I'm going to fucking work on mixes all night. I'll do that. But if you want to fucking hit me up and go get a fucking beer or go get tacos or do something, chances are I'll probably drop whatever I'm doing to make that human connection because Mm -hmm. that is so much more important to me than the art that I'm doing. Like the song that I'm working on, it'll be there when I get home. Yeah. It'll be there tomorrow, you know, but like those limited, like we only have a very limited time on this planet like you know there's a good chance that like i'm going to expire before any of the files on my hard drive do yeah so it's like let's just take advantage of what we can with the limited time that we have and if i don't fucking get that song out what who the fuck cares i have hours upon hours of music that have already released into the world i'm not like and it's and you feel like it's going to outlive you yeah it's it's going to outlive you totally going to outlive me so you know to anybody that uh you know even if it's not me if you have friends that are artists and you feel like they don't have the time for you it's like how reach out to them because a lot of times it's like i don't go out of my way to reach out to people or invite people to do things and that's probably my fault i should be better about that yeah initiating the the conversation yeah but uh because it's not yeah. a one-way it's a two-way street yeah totally it's like just don't assume that like your artist friends are that busy because they're they're probably not. They're probably on their phone trying to figure out how to get their Instagram strategy and <laughs> tickle the algorithm and making bullshit posts that they don't need to be making. Invite them out for tacos. Get them away from their fucking phone. They're gonna they're gonna be much better off. I just want to say, if my friend Steve is watching this, I know when we when we did the last interview and we talked about tacos that resonated with him. If we're making you hungry for tacos right now, we have succeeded in our mission. Hell yeah, dude! 
Because so, that's what we set out to do when we said this. We said, make sure when we have this conversation, let's talk about tacos <laughs> as much as humanly possible. <laughs> so I hope you're I hope you're dreaming about Taco Bell right now. <laughs> hey man. You know, I feel like we didn't really dig too too much into tacos, but um what is there really to be saved? Saved. <laughs> what is there to be said that hasn't already been said? You mean about about tacos? I don't know. I just think that it just when it rolls off your tongue, it just stimulates your your taste buds, and you just start craving them. Okay. Yeah, so, I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, it's kind of fucked Ooh. up. Yeah, seriously, we're gonna have to, you know, yeah. get on our apps and get someone to deliver us some tacos. <laughs> yeah. So because we're like, shit, you're looking dude. at me like you're thinking about tacos right now. I'm thinking about tacos right now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, are you thinking about tacos right now? I'm thinking about tacos right now. so uh i think that you know this conversation could easily go on for another 90 minutes but we've done 90 minutes that's pretty ding dong long for a podcast we've been talking that long yes holy shit it's been an hour and a half actually oh i didn't even get to talk about my new project (laughs) (laughs) we got taught we got so caught up in in you know oh fuck well, I'll so much, so much like Buddhist, like Shaolin temple kind of meditation, uh, you know, back and forth. Uh, well, dude. Okay. So let's, let's do this. Right. Um, so anybody that is still listening or watching now at this point in the conversation, they're the, and real, I love you for doing, they're that. the real ones. So tell them, let's talk a bit about the new project just so we have it out there. Let them know, let the real ones know what you're working on, what you want to share with the world. Well, recently I just put out my uh, newest EP, The Strange Death of Edmund Noir, that came out. That was an EP I just did for fun, and it was just something that I thought, hey, this would tidy people over until my official follow-up came out, and I was just surprised by the response it's gotten, and I'm very happy with it, but at the same time, I'm looking back on it like, wow, this previous project, I invested probably like 50, 60 hours of my life. I did this one project in like maybe eight hours. And you like that just as much as this one. So that blows my mind. But that's what you, what you point out is sometimes the power in simplicity and the power yeah. in just not overthinking it. So that's something I put out that I'm really proud that I did and went over well because it definitely was a good mental exercise for me and helped me get a lot of emotions out. But uh, my official release, Doom Poet Found Slain, which is the official release to Pennsylvania Gothic, that's looking to be done, to be ready and out by the beginning of fall. But between then, by either the end of June or the beginning of July, I have a mixtape coming out that's once again produced entirely by Jay Reno, who produced uh, The Strange Death of Edmund Noir. It's called Summer Night Ghoul, and it was just meant to be a, another free four-track you know, mini EP just to hold and tidy people over. But I was so overwhelmed by the whole approach that I took with Strange Death of Edmund Noir that he just kept sending me beats and I kept writing and writing, and writing and not, not overthinking it, not over being analytical, just knocking them out, knocking them yeah. out, knocking them out. So I decided, you know, rather than a free four track EP, just put this out as a mixtape. So I got that mixtape coming out. It's called Summer Night Ghoul. And once again, I hope that's another release that people are just going to like to just sit around and maybe drive and listen to when they're in their car or put their headphones on and take a walk. That's why I love doing what I do because I love that idea of that's what 
the person listening to this is going to do. Like, I'm going to go take a cool, a nice relaxing drive and listen to this on my way to work, or I'm just going to go to the park and take a walk and listen to this new project. Awesome. So that that'll be out soon. So I'm glad I was able to talk about that. Awesome. Thank you. For You're very welcome. Uh, do you want to let for anybody that doesn't already know where to find you on the internet, you want to drop 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 those uh social media handles or whatever well, well spotify um, whatever the fuck you want to drive people to well i'm on youtube right now it's uh labyrinthine rap uh l-a-b-r-y-n-t-h-i-n-e that's my youtube account um my one music video and they will know now is on there but i have other videos and stuff on there i'm just saying if it's easier for you to search that way um i'm on facebook uh i have the same account labyrinthine but i also have my personal account benjamin labyrinthine grave uh and then i have my instagram you know labyrinthine rap instagram and those are really the only social media platforms i use i know i should probably get out onto some more but primarily instagram youtube and facebook that's really where you can find me that's plenty enough plenty enough in terms of the social media stuff compared to most other people it's yeah. fucking bro oh that's a whole nother can of worms not to like dig too deep into it but like hit the hit the 90 minute clock now yeah okay. i mean we're way past here we go. that we're way over. <laughs> um so you know with the social media shit um it's the only time I've ever been mad that I'm in as many projects as I'm in because like, you know, you have like a Facebook and an Instagram and a YouTube and a Twitter for one project for like normal creatures. Right. And mm -hmm. then I have my personal and I have gray Walker and then yeah. I have some faith. And then I have the podcast like five or six things times five or six social media platforms. Yeah. It's like 30 accounts to manage. That's a whole nother job. It's like, kill me. Just fucking <laughs> kill me. <laughs> it's like, no wonder. Like, it's, 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 it's so much. It's so fucking much. But, um, it's fun. Yeah. I love sharing my things with the world. I try not to complain. There's people that have much more serious things to dig into well i can't wait to hear that new normal creatures record eventually hey, you know, i mean the fact that you told me that's new metal influences in there is yeah like, yeah it, i can't wait to hear that because be, i loved your first record thank you it'll be a bit you know we're playing our first show in july and you know we haven't gotten to play any of the songs off of nightmare arcade live we really haven't gotten to promote that, that album yeah at all. that could be so, in pittsburgh that show uh it's in greensburg greensburg okay um the first pittsburgh show that we're we're playing Millville music fest Okay. Um, that hasn't been officially announced yet. Um, but I mean, I don't care what the fuck they gonna do. Sue me. Um, we're <laughs> playing the outdoor stage Gap Park. We're headlining it. Okay. So uh, I think it's like eight or nine p.m. We're the last band playing the awesome. outdoor stage at Millville Music Fest Saturday, August seventh. That's awesome. So that should be fun. I will be um, there. Yeah, that'll be tight. I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be our first Pittsburgh show in a while playing the nightmare arcade stuff um so only reason i'm bringing all that up is like the new stuff that's going to be silently happening in the background it'll probably be a while before we actually release anything because we technically really haven't done an official release for nightmare arcade i guess you know it's on the internet and we had yeah. a live stream but playing shows is a whole different fucking animal so okay less about me more about you 
thank you for coming by. <laughs> oh, no, it's a pl- it's a pleasure for me because you're educating me too. Because I loved your new record. I loved Nightmare Arcade. I really loved the diversity, and I loved the music video too. Thanks, man. That video was really cool. <laughs> I really loved the opening. That, like, it, for whatever reason, it just reminded me of those like like 90s pc horror survival games and for whatever reason just the graphics on it and the way you were and you carried yourself in the video that's what it reminded me of and i just love that because i'm an old school head like that and that's how my mind works so i'm like this is dope thanks man i appreciate it so i'm going to uh do an outro this is what an outro sounds like and that is all folks thanks so much for being here i'll be back again next week with another episode in a different asshole. Same time, <laughs> same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start you said you wanted beat. to kill. Yeah, you killed. Yeah, My you name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2021. Woo, woo. Thanks for listening. And we're done, my friend. That is a podcast. I am so sorry I catch you on. I didn't realize we no, that No, long. literally. I'm so sorry. What did I say when we sat down? I was like, this is going to be a long one. I know it's going to be a long one.